Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. As usual, I'm here, I'm Chris, here again with Patrick. Yo. Steven. Hello. And our special guest, back by popular demand for a second week, Gregory C. Allen. Hey, I'm really, actually, thank you for the positive response that I've heard from everybody. There were a lot of, lot of votes yeah, for you. I was shocked. And I, once again, thank you very much for everybody that voted for me to it come It was back. you or nobody, and ev- most people voted for you. Yeah, yeah. You were a couple a, for nobody, but... You, you might know. have to be here permanently. So it was a really, really magical moment. How did you feel in the in, during the rose ceremony, Greg? I mean... It's hard to describe. You see all these people that get nervous when they receive an award at uh, the Oscars and everything. That's it was. It's overwhelming, and you think you've got what you're going to say, and it's all lined up. It's ready to go, and as soon as you get up there, it's just you forget. It's mouth diarrhea. Can we play it's, Greg out the, now? The listeners can't see the tears welling up in Greg's eyes right now. <laughs> I'm, I just I'm moved, and I appreciate it. And thank you. Well, Greg's back. Like we said before, <laughs> <laughs> he's. He's he's dedicated three episodes of his podcast, What a Disaster, to us three clowns, so the least we can do is give <laughs> It's him actually two. four because Patrick's doing two. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's got two things to say. <laughs> <laughs> I have two things to say. We had to, we had to stretch Miracle Mile out into two episodes because we were just so uh, impressed with it. All right. Well, <laughs> over here on Every Horror Movie on Netflix, uh, we are... You know, we are slaves to fan requests. So we got a letter from Carrie in Texas. Not she a said, letter. It was a message. That's like a letter. Don't romanticize it. I'm trying to romanticize it. It was handwritten, beautiful cursive. I mean, even the even the envelope was handwritten. That was impressive. Carrie, impeccable Just a wonder to behold. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you're, you're underselling this, Stephen. That was I, my I, point. I didn't even want to open it. I just felt like it would desecrate the whole thing. She said, hey, Chris you, was willing to tear it open. She said, hey, you guys, I hate the show. Why don't you assholes review a movie like The Ritual? So we said... Wait, no. Did she say a movie like The Ritual we, or you should review The Ritual? No, she was actually very polite. And she said, hey, the rich, I saw The Ritual. It was creepy. Check it out. And I said, hey, you know what? We got nothing better to do. We got to watch them all at some point. So this week we're breaking the order. We're watching the goddamn ritual. She also actually said positive things about the show as well, right? I don't know. Hmm. Mostly negative, but she wanted <laughs> Mostly to say the ritual. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. easy to gloss over praise or criticisms because you're just like, I don't want to hear that. We can't. We can't. Carrie, if you listen to this episode, please shoot us another Facebook message and let us know if you would view, cue, or screw this episode. That's a good idea. Yeah, the listener can become the rater. Mm-hmm. Everyone's anyway. a critic. The listenee? I don't know how that works. So the ritual, it's a it's a Netflix original horror movie, which we're going to be seeing more and more of those. I mean, I think they've signed up to release fucking 750 original <laughs> series and movies this year. <laughs> so, Is that an exact number? It's It's almost one a day. I was Damn. surprised to see that every horror movie on Netflix is on Netflix. It will be. I'm sure all we have to do is send them a fucking tape. No, no I mean every movie I've seen on Netflix is on there. Oh. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> 
What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm following. I'm following him. It makes sense to We're me. We're going to start calling you it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the ritual, guys. Uh, this was uh, Not only had a, a fan recommended this to me, but I mentioned on the last episode, uh, a couple of people in my life said, you know, I knew about it. I'd seen the reviews coming out. It was one of those movies that just kind of, you know, when we say Netflix original, what does that mean? This is one where this was a movie that was in the can before Netflix picked it up and, and put it out in the U.S. It was... Well, allow right. me to jump in because Netflix original used to mean something. Yeah, it still does sometimes, but not in this case. Here, they're slapping their brand onto a film. We even see it in the credits. It says, you know, in the normal credit font, a Netflix original film. It's not really, but it's the first opportunity for us to see it here in the U.S. I think it did have a, a theatrical run in the U.K. or something, or went to VOD over there. But it's a movie that people are talking about. It, it, like, uh, I think it was actually kind of a great comeback from the Cloverfield Paradox. This dropped like a week later, and people were kind of jaded by that movie, really actually very upset by it. And I think the ritual, it, it kind of saved face for them. It was kind of a hit, I think. But it's kind of the same business strategy, right? Yeah. Like, they're taking these movies where they're someone makes a movie and they're thinking should we release this in theaters they're not really sure what its prospects are going to be so they say well we'll just sell it to netflix instead and what is i mean i i really want to know we should do more research but you know what is what does a filmmaker make from netflix for having their film on netflix like it's got to be more cost effective than putting it out in theaters and hoping that by some chance it will become a hit you know how much money is netflix dropping on these indie movies should we one just make these, one and sell it to netflix we should try it. i mean yeah. we've seen both american poltergeist movies i think we're capable of it <laughs> <laughs> one of these days on our podcast about horror movies on netflix we should actually do some research on these questions we ask repeatedly about netflix's <laughs> business model because we do this all the time we're 25 plus episodes in and we're still none the wiser about how this actually fucking works so we should we should bone up a little we're on just that. puppets and we just don't question the marionette we just we don't know how it works we Aren't, just know well, netflix pays us and we we just don't ask questions <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has no affiliation with netflix Except for where all the movies come from. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix is where all the movies come from. This but, is like, Mommy, where do movies come from? <laughs> but yeah, I long for the days. I long for the days. Like, I'm, Well, honey, when Annette and a Flix love each other very much, like, they fuck. <laughs> and then we get the ritual. And then, yeah, and a then stork the, brings us the ritual. Our eyes are fucked for an hour and a half. <laughs> Chris, you were saying something of, of actual substance. It's not. It's not substantive. Uh, substantive. Um, it, it's just you know, House of Cards. Like is the first Netflix original series I remember. I think there were some before House of Cards. That was the first really big hit, though. But yeah, yeah. but like for a while, Netflix would put out a Netflix original, and you paid attention because it was a netflix original like even like remember marco polo came out and it's like oh yeah oh maybe you know it's a netflix original and then now it's just like netflix original who gives a shit well yeah remember that the 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 idris elba and and now greg and i know that idris i always thought it was idris it's idris elba we learned this after we did our thor ragnarok episode on what a disaster um 
Which, did we explain what, what a disaster is? That's Greg's podcast. Whose podcast? Mine? It's yours. Oh, yeah. I do a podcast. Anyways, remember when Netflix put out that Idris Elba movie? What was that called? Beasts of No Nation, I think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, like oh, yeah. The, that was oh, the first yeah. Netflix original film. And I was like, whoa, Netflix made a movie. That was only like two years ago. Yeah. And that, the, the difference there is that actually had a theatrical run because it was eligible mm-hmm. for the Oscars, mm-hmm. um, which they're very careful about doing. Now, I, I don't understand the Netflix original thing because it's like you know either you have a netflix subscription or you don't like i don't think anybody's gonna be like oh i i don't have netflix for some reason in 2018 so i should get it to watch this new cloverfield movie oh well you do not know my mother did your mom get a netflix subscription to watch the cloverfield movie because she regrets it my mom actually this is brand new news this is you know fresh off the presses my mom just i just gave my mom access to my netflix account so that she can watch mudbound because she watched the oscars and was like i can't get mudbound from the library on dvd and i was like yeah that's probably because it's only on netflix you heard it here first patrick is a network netflix sharer Yep. But I'm like, okay, we know it's only on Netflix, so why do they have to remind us by stamping their brand not only on the top of the page, but on the poster for the film itself and then in the credits for the film itself? Like, It's actually kind of great branding, but... I mean, as a producer, I mean, it seems like you get in the credits and... It seems like everything's a Netflix original now, though. Like, they're just buying stuff, and they're like, let's put our name on it and call it a day. Exactly. These are Some of these are films like... It like stopped mattering. Mute or Before I Wake, the Mike Flanagan movie, are movies that had been completed for a long time and couldn't find distributors. So it, it's not like Netflix said, Duncan Jones, go make a movie for me, or Mike Flanagan, go make a movie for me. It was like, these movies had sat on the shelf, and Netflix bought them up and slapped their name on it. I mean, what production company doesn't stamp their name on the poster, the credits, and whatever? I guess that's true, but I just think that, like, now, like, in the, uh, now, like, I don't know, Netflix original seems to, like, it seems to mean something to certain people that I don't think it actually means. Like, it carries a weight as if it's any different than, like, any other film that comes out that a studio slaps her name on because they paid money for it. Now, like, a Netflix original seems to to be important and to like grab headlines but i mean in a is, way that they don't deserve necessarily. Is, is netflix a studio or a producer they're just it's i mean distributor they, 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 More, right i would say distributor yeah they, they throw money at something and call it good it's it's weird it would be like going into an mjr and seeing an mjr original movie <laughs> yeah like, right well i think what well, we mjr is not a distributor though that's well, a mm. Well, it's the thing, theater, the thing with Netflix is like the thing that bothers Netflix me is they're is almost like, lines. look what we've done for you. Look what we're doing for you. Like they're trying to like remind you, like keep your subscription because we're curating this content for you. Like that, that that's where I, that's where it gets kind of murky. For you me, know, we might be witnessing an arms race basically because there's other streaming competitors knocking at the door. We got the Amazon Prime, sure. we got the Hulu, Disney's doing their own shit. And it's going to come down to, like, who has exclusive content. And just like software companies and Apple and all these companies buy, like, software patents in bulk to sit on them just in case they need them someday, that might be what Netflix is doing. Maybe they're looking forward to a day where, like, everything that Fox and Warner Brothers and Paramount comes out is available to all streamers. So what do you have that's specific to your platform? And they're just trying to scoop up a bunch of shit that no one else is ever going to be able to get. That could be, and um, if they, if everybody brings the prices down, it wouldn't be a matter of who's got what. It'll just be a matter of how we're going to watch all of these things. Because I mean, at you know seven eight bucks a month, everybody's going to grab the Disney one because it's going to have the Marvel movies in it. Netflix's price is going to have to come down to, to match up with that. It's going to get pretty cool in that world as far as streaming content providers is concerned. 
Well, whatever happens, we'll be there for you, listener. <laughs> it may turn into every horror movie on insert platform here. It should be every horror movie on Shudder. Like, if we actually had self-respect and wanted to watch good <laughs> horror films, we'd watch the major horror streaming platform service. But, nope, here we are in the Netflix ghetto with The Ritual. Anybody want to set this one up? Well, The Ritual, you know, it has so much in common with the last movie we watched, Backcountry. Oh, I thought you were going to say Kill List. It does have a lot in common with Kill List. That's too. the last movie I watched. It usually is. So but. we so we've got four English blokes uh, who know their way around the pub, and it's they actually five to begin with. Yeah, right? there are five. There are five at the, at the very beginning. Well, there are five. Very, in the prologue, there's five. Spoiler, Spoiler alert, alert: five oh. minutes in, <laughs> five minutes in, one of them dies. The rest of them decide to go on this hiking trip in Sweden, and guess what? It turns into a shit show. And they, and they go on the, the hiking trip because it was the dead friend's idea, which was not a very popular idea with the rest of the friends. Yeah, but, nobody wanted to so do then it except like, for the dead guy. Yeah, so, so then it's it like the honor. memorial trip yeah. for him. They do it to honor him, and they decide to take a shortcut, and they go into the woods. And, and they, you know what? It wouldn't be called... If it was a real path, it wouldn't be called a shortcut. It would be called a route. <laughs> That's something I learned <laughs> from this movie. That's a good line. Yeah. And they end up stumbling across some sort of uh, occult symbolism some effigies some spooky stuff some hallucinations and they may be being hunted by someone or something i think that is a good way to describe it yeah i think so so in the opening we get five friends i think they're they're university friends right yeah that's kind of the implication uni they're out on a uni as they say in britain they do say the uni they're out on a pub crawl uh you know, they're, we don't really learn much about them. They're all kind of indistinguishable from each other. They just seem like five guys out having a good time. Seems like Mumblecore for a minute. All British people look For a the minute. Same. <laughs> Additional dialogue by the cast. <laughs> um, and uh, one of them, this guy who looks like Chris O'Dowd, who's actually uh, Rafe Spall, Timothy Spall's son. Or, a, to, or a less handsome Ryan Reynolds. Or a less handsome Ryan Reynolds. Uh, so... Chris, if if a less handsome Ryan Reynolds was British, he'd be Chris O'Dowd, um, or <laughs> apparently Rafe Spall. Uh, he decides he wants another drink. He wants another bottle to cap the night off. Everybody else is going for the Uber, so he and his friend who proposed going on this trip to Sweden uh, go into a convenience store, and it gets uh, gets knocked up. And uh, Chris knocked O'Dowd up means pregnant. Knock, yes, uh, they they knocked they, over, they impreg- is... knocked over. Is that what they say? Yeah, knock over a liquor store. They knocked over the liquor store. Patrick they, would they, know they he's robbed like three tonight. Yeah, held up. They there held up. They robbed. So it's being robbed. It's yeah. being robbed. Violently and, uh, assaulted and robbed. And, and Chris O'Dowd, uh, which is what I'm going to call him from from now on. Uh, maybe I'll come up with a funnier name for him. Uh, he has, he kind of hides behind a, a, a liquor shelf. As he his, does the sensible thing. Well, it's kind of like the you know the movie. He does the cowardly thing. He does. It's uh, well, we'll get into this in a minute. But anyway, he does the cowardly thing. He immediately he does the it's fight or flight. He runs. He goes around the corner. His friend doesn't have an opportunity to get away and gets brutally murdered and the the whole time chris o'dowd is uh, got his he's got the bottle of vodka in his hand he's thinking like should i go around the corner and try and save him or not it's a great moral dilemma like immediately we're we're we, we're putting ourselves in his shoes what would you do in this situation it's a really intense scene that's really why is. that's why i fucking care Sorry, guys. 
<laughs> God. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so from there on, uh, we actually immediately there, we cut to Sweden. They're on the trip. They don't waste any time cutting to, you know, six months, whatever later. Um, these guys are they're doing this trip in honor of their dead friend. They clearly all have animosity toward Chris O'Dowd for doing the... <laughs> Just no. <laughs> can't help What's it. his name? <laughs> Rafe's ball. I'll, I'll just call him by the actor's name from now on. He's, he's always calling people's names out. I don't remember what anybody calls him. Uh, yeah, what is his name? It doesn't matter. Anyway, Rafe Spall, uh, <laughs> they, they, have a, they have a lot of... That, that's the actor's name. I know, we can call him Rafe Spall. It's almost name. like... It, it sounds like a joke of a name, though. He was in Prometheus. He was in Prometheus, yeah. Because Luke, that's what I thought. Luke, Luke. is the main so it's character's Luke, name. Dom, the ones that are surviving. Phil. Luke, Dom, Phil. Hutch. And Hutch. Yeah. I don't know Hutch. who the fuck any of those are. I know Luke's the main guy. Phil was, he looked Indian, Phil I think. Phil is, yeah. Basically, and, and that's his main character trait. Yeah. Dom, that was, is Dom was the fat guy. The brown one. And Hutch was the other one. Okay. Yeah, Hutch is the Hutch is kinda, the, the alpha male. Kind of the swaggery asshole. Yeah. yeah. Hutch was the guy that kind of reminded me of the guy from Backcountry, the the Irish yeah. guy from Backcountry. Mm, yeah. I mean... D- the kind of a combination wise. of yeah, both yeah. guys from Backcountry, actually. Right, right. He really... <laughs> if they if they made a baby, yeah. that's that's the, that's the guy. He kind of reminded me, speaking of Prometheus, of the main guy in Prometheus. I don't know why. Maybe just the buzz cut, but... Whose wife follows us on Twitter. All right, she doesn't follow us on Twitter. She didn't <laughs> like one of our tweets, though. <laughs> we're almost there. We've almost made it. We're, we're big time here. Well, so these guys are out in northern Sweden. It's gorgeous. Lots of great nature photography here. Gorgeous. Beautiful. It uh, is gorgeous. Reminded me of a, a time... Well, I guess that comes a little bit later when when this occurred to me. We'll bring it up. But uh, there was clearly a rift in the friendship. You know, uh, Luke is... Uh, Chris Chris knows a thing or two about shooting beautiful, placid, <laughs> widescreen nature He shots. does. You can Not find like his that. CV on He's our website. <laughs> Not yeah. like that, though. No, I haven't shot anything as beautiful as, beautiful as these forests in Sweden. Maybe you want to go. You know what? People in Sweden probably look at Michigan and they're like, wow, that is a beautiful place. I thought about that, actually, because you can tell in some of the shots I was looking at, like, the the ground cover and how they have grasses, but it's, like, a little different. And, like, in England, like, the grasses seem like they're a little fluffier or something like that. And then I was like, oh, probably people look at the ground covering in Michigan. They're like, oh, wow, that looks so cool and exotic. I want to go there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the grass is always greener, as they say. It's a good... Because, I mean, what we see every day isn't going to have the same beauty to us as the things that are unique and exotic. So, yeah. Do you feel, Chris, like there are parts of Michigan that you could shoot for northern Sweden after seeing this movie? That you could substitute? Yeah. That that would... No. No. What? Not even in the UP? Are you crazy? At least as that movie is concerned, maybe not the mountains, but... I think the UP has a very specific look compared to what we see in this movie of Sweden. Was this actually shot in Sweden? That's an important question. Are we actually seeing Sweden? I took for granted Was it Norway or Sweden? I did too, yeah. No, it was Sweden. That's a good question, but... That's a good do, question. Do we know that, though? I don't know if it was shot I'm in saying Sweden. that's where it's set. I don't know where it was shot. Oh, yeah. I couldn't remember yeah. if it was Norway or Sweden. It's set it's Sweden. in Sweden, yeah, and it looks, it looks like what I imagine it looks like in Sweden. <laughs> so, I don't know why they would shoot it anywhere else. New Zealand seems to cover for everything. So yeah, Maybe. Well, it's a British film. I mean, it's a pain in the ass to... I mean, especially if you're on a low budget to pack up and go to fucking Sweden. Especially with Brexit. 
All right, so these guys, they're out <laughs> camping. Let's get back to the movie. Yeah, sorry, uh, and I interrupted you horribly. Nobody wants to listen to four hours of this. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're out camping. We, we sense, you know, Luke looks haunted. We see him getting up out of his tent on the first night, and he gets out and immediately lights up a cigarette and just kind of look brooding. His friends sort of, you know, it's clear that there's some animosity here. And we learn that the purpose of this trip was to sort of pay tribute to their dead friend. And they set up kind of a, an effigy for him, and they've got a little picture of him and some, you know, mementos that were important in his life. Uh, they all, you know, drink a little sip out of the flask and then, you know, pour it on the curb. For their they pour friend. one out. Yeah, yeah on they the pour curb, one out their homie. So to speak. There's a curb in northern Sweden in the mountains. Um, you just have to, you gotta look really hard to find it, but it's there. And I... Uh, Wasn't that in the Sound of Music? And then things, like, quickly kind of take a, a dark turn. Um, the, the, we sense that there's something wrong during that scene. You know, it just feels... It starts to feel kind of uncomfortable. And then uh, chubby guy with the glasses, who has no other Dom. distinguishable qualities, except that he whines a lot, Dom. Uh, twists his ankle. Dom twists his ankle. And then immediately things are kind of descend into chaos from there. I think that's really the catalyst. And there's certainly some tension between everybody that's obvious. And much like backcountry, it's, it's an angry walk in the woods at that yeah. point for sure yeah i didn't really have a sense of how long their trip was supposed to be mm-hmm. because he twists his ankle and it seems like that's going to turn a one-day hike mm-hmm. into you know so they did outline it right yeah. do you remember this yeah, i don't they, remember they the give hours a, but... they give a direct like it's like 14 and 7 or something like that it's it's a 14 hours and then seven more hours so it was basically uh they got out there in a day and a half and they were going to go back in a day and a half Uh, so they were going to be spending a couple nights out in the middle of nowhere which they were aware of and prepared for Mm -hmm. um and yeah dom decides he he didn't want he wanted to twist it and he twisted his knee when he went down it was to be clear it was a deliberate decision he decided i'm going to sabotage this trip I'm going to hurt myself really badly, and I'm going to be miserable for a very long time. He wanted to whine, and he, he wanted, gave himself a reason to whine. He did expertly. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. well done. Mm-hmm. Props to Dom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so far, so good. And then, you know, they go through the... They, they're like, all right, well, we'll take a shortcut that will maybe result in less walking on our dude's part. And uh, all goes well until they see, like, a fucked up deer hanging in a tree, all eviscerated and shit. And they're like, well, that's probably natural. Let's just keep walking. Looking like Alex in backcountry. Whoa, spoilers. Wow. Yeah. Spoilers. If you haven't gone, if you haven't watched Backcountry, you've had and two you're weeks. waiting <laughs> to, to get spoiled, I'm so sorry for what Patrick just said to you. <laughs> well, this is where the movie, um, there's a lot of great nature photography here. I got the sense very quickly that it felt kind of like alien to me. Where, like, okay. the, the characters are sort of, in, like, around that turning point, the characters are dwarfed by the setting, by the trees. Yeah. And they're all kind of, like, symmetrically lined up, single file as they're walking, and so they're kind of Kubrickian as well. Like, I got the sense that, like, I'm in a forest here that looks slightly unusual to me because it doesn't look quite like the forest I'm used to, and it did feel like alien terrain, like something bad is going to happen. They're venturing into a place that they don't have a map for. Yeah. And I started to get kind of creeped out, honestly. There's some yeah. really beautiful alien-esque shots. I was reminded of when they were first exploring the, the xenomorph ship with their little headlamps on. I, I like that analogy more than I would have expected. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 but I will say, I was very quickly disappointed that I did not continue to feel that way oh, as this movie no, went up. No, no. It's, it's, I mean, it's a dense pine forest. If you've been in a pine forest, that's 
standard the trees themselves are like a character in this movie yeah. to me though they're they're they look so distinctive the way they're shot they're the like you said pines and they're they're bare the the limbs are bare and they're shot in such a way that they're really densely spaced together and sometimes you can just barely see slivers of people or sometimes creatures moving between them and it's a really it's a really unique visual and it's unusual that you wind up with a movie where someone comes up with a creative way just to shoot fucking trees I was impressed by that. Yeah, and it looks good. And the movie, this is something else that's interesting. It's shot, speaking of Netflix originals, in an unusual ratio. Hmm. The movie is not quite 185-1 or whatever. And it's not 16-9. And it's not 16-9. Tiny it black It looks bars. like the same ratio as is used in the House of Cards, where it's just a little, like an inch off your 16-9 TV. But it's not like a standard theatrical aspect ratio. And I thought that was interesting. Do you think... I mean, clearly that's a deliberate decision. Why do you think they did that? What do you think it lended to the the atmosphere or the look of the movie? I wonder if it's... Have we decided whether... Do we know whether or not this this wasn't shot for Netflix or was it? As far as I know, no. I don't know then. It may have been a, a budgetary reason just to give them some room to work on camera shake or something. Could have been. Could be. I, I will tell you that as someone who dabbles in making videos and films, when I watched House of Cards, I noticed the same sort of aspect ratio, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting ratio. I kind of like it because it still gives you space, but it's not too, it's not boring like 185.1, which is basically 16.9. Like, if you look closely at the edge of your TV on an old movie, it's, there's a little bit of space there. But Did they change that at all in... Uh House of Cards, or is it maintained that same? I think aspect it's maintained ratio? the whole time. But yeah, so this is a, so what we what I'm saying is it's a little bit taller than what you're used to seeing in a letterboxed movie, and a little bit narrower than what you're used to seeing in another movie that may fill most of your screen. I thought that was interesting. Hmm. And I don't know if that happens a lot with theatrical movies. I don't either. And that that raises an interesting question of like, you know, what are what are sort of the 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 ethics of like the look of a film or the aspect ratio for streaming services? I don't know. Well, it certainly it, frames the trees better when you're talking about these pine forests and it's yeah. all very vertical. Yeah, it gives you a little extra width but a little extra height at the same time. Well, it gives you extra height. Yeah. It well, no, it. I mean like versus 16 by 9 right, it right. gives you a little extra width. Right, right. Yeah, width, height, these are things I think about a lot. Um, so what happens next? They they wind up in the woods and uh, they find a cabin. One thing I love about this movie There's a storm. Is, there's a storm and they need to find shelter and of course conveniently there's a creepy cabin for them to yeah. uh, hole up in. There's a lot of debate about whether or not they should break in the door, which is ridiculous because it's clear that no one could have possibly lived here within the last, like, hundred years. Uh, and that's that's creepy. Now, I, I often wonder, watching horror movies, whether things are creepy because we know we're watching a horror movie and we're expecting horror and that kind of makes everything scarier, or whether the events are just kind of creepy in themselves. Now, Patrick, Patrick and I went on a hike in the mountains of Panama... Remember True. remember the abandoned house we saw? Oh, yeah, I do. That Aranias, was, that, the house of a thousand Aranias. We were afraid of the Aranias. We were afraid that there were going to be spiders in the house. Yeah. But that was fucking creepy, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Because we're hiking this mountain trail for a couple Beautiful, hours. Beautiful sunny day. Beautiful sunny day. We come to a little clearing in the jungle, and there's just this like cinder block house that was like two stories sitting there. We have a picture. Maybe we'll throw it on our 
Facebook or something. And it was like not an inviting place. No one in there. We walked in there and what was in there? I don't remember Did now. Did we walk in there? I think so. We didn't see any huge spiders. It wasn't, it wasn't inhabited. No, it wasn't. But yeah, still was a weird. little weird. A little yeah. weird out. No stuff at all in there. It's, I don't remember there being any stuff. Were there any like statue or um, like uh, effigies things, of yeah, made out of hay with deer antlers? <laughs> no, no. But if there had been, that would have been fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. it would have made it would have made this scene in in the what's the, the ritual, the, the ritual, the ritual. That much creepier for you guys. Well, yeah. So that's I did think of that though, because yeah, sometimes you hike into some random place and you see a random ass structure that's abandoned, and that's a little bit weird. I forgot about that. Yeah, but if wow. you saw a bird's nest, you wouldn't be creepy, creeped out. But mm-hmm. for some reason, people abandoning something scary as hell. Right. Birds abandoning something that's fine, normal. Yeah. It's not fine for me. My worst nightmare: bird, abandoned bird bird's nest. nest. Yeah. <laughs> My worst nightmare is not knowing what the, bird's nest soup is made of. <laughs> bird's nests. Um, the, yeah, they go into that the, the scary cabin in the woods, and I mean they're thinking nothing of it. They just want out of the storm. But they yeah they go in and investigate. Somebody smashes a chair because he's a jerk. They go upstairs and there's this yeah, an effigy of it's a headless man, and instead of hands he has antlers, and it's weird. Chicken feet too. Do we the chicken oh, feet? Yeah. I thought yeah, it was just sitting feet. on a chair. Oh, yeah, Web so feet. weird. That that was the most cringeworthy detail for me. That gave me the creeps. It's creepy. So, Carrie, our friend in Texas, said that this was you know I forget the word she used, but she was like, yeah, it's spooky. It's creepy. And yeah, there's a lot of creepy, spooky imagery in this movie. I definitely see where she's coming from. Well, yeah, and then the next thing that happens after that is the storm. Which I mean, even just the so, I mean, this bizarre, nightmarish sequence happens in the midst of this storm, but even just the um, sort of the opening moment to that, when a flash of lightning strikes and it just freezes, the whole cabin is still lit up with lightning and the sound stops. That was a really cool, surreal moment. That I was like amazing. That a lot. I love yeah. that moment. Yeah, just a flash of lightning holding and not going away. And then Luke stumbles outside and the woods look like the party store from the opening scene. Because that's the light, the, right? The lightning the freezes yeah, and it's, it's the actually fluorescent the fluorescent from, from the store. Yeah, because the, the lighting, and, and this is all very cleverly set up, the lighting in the party store in the first um, scene, or, or early scene in the movie, um, is very distinctive. It's these fluorescent um, lights overhead that keep flickering, and so it's a very distinct lighting cue that calls back immediately when you see it it's so weird seeing those lights hanging in the woods and the shelves of liquor in the woods it's a really cool visual my favorite part of this movie was every time they combined the party store video visuals with the forest visuals yeah did it ever wear out for you though no for me it did there was a specific point where i was like all right, that looked fucking awesome, but also I'm done with this. I don't need to be reminded of what the catalyst for this entire movie is over and over and over and over again. It stopped serving a purpose at a certain point. Well, the the dramatic way it played out got old for me, but I love the visuals. It looked it every time. awesome. I mean, it was really inventive. I don't know if I've seen anything quite like it. I mean, there's a shot where you see like fluorescent lights hanging in a row down this like 
this sort of like corridor in the forest and of trees and you wonder how they shot that i mean it had to be on a sound stage natural right like it didn't look like it was any i loved the way the dirt floor looked yeah and like it was just you were in a convenience store but it had a lush forest dirt floor and slowly the more they show it the more there's like moss growing over the like all the bottles and stuff it looked cool but i i just felt like it was kind of a it became kind of a tired motif so i kind of liked it in that it kept uh, whether it was a dream or something supernatural that kept throwing this character back into what was the worst moment of potentially his entire life but at the very least his recent life and adding that stress to him throughout this movie while he's stuck in the woods with a guy with a bum leg and they have no idea where they are it was i thought it was cool i liked it yeah, the that visual didn't get tired for me because it was different each time. There was sort of a variation on it each time. Um, as Greg mentioned, the the forest floor is growing into the party mm-hmm. store in one shot, and another, like Steve mentioned, there's the row of fluorescent lights hanging between trees, and it was a different it was a different take every time. There's the one part where one of the killers looks up at him, and he's got like white glowing eyes, and yeah. it's fucking creepy. Yeah, all good stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Creepy shit, creepy visions. Basically, what happens is they spend the night in this random house, and they all, like, have horrible fucking trips <laughs> in the middle of the night. Yeah, the, the alpha male pisses himself, which is something I come dangerously close to often while recording this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Identified with that moment. Five holes in his chest. Yeah, we should mention, when we have the sort of flashback, you know, th- to the convenience store in the woods... Uh, so we see something moving through the trees. The trees are moving around, and yeah, uh, Luke. Luke is that his name? Luke. Yeah, yeah. Chris O'Dowd. Uh, <laughs> he wakes up with like five puncture marks in his four or five puncture marks in his chest, like like he's been like poked. Yeah, by I, a beast. I thought like it was like claws. I thought it was like at first I thought it, he had been shot with like a shotgun or something. Like there's a little bit of a spread of like little tiny wounds in them. But that's kind of what I they, thought too initially. Yeah. They look fairly wide and deep, like something that might puncture a lung. Yeah, but then yeah, you eventually. I mean, you never really find out what it is, but yeah, you can infer by the end of the movie that he was kind of punctured with something, maybe from a beast. Yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> we could just be. We're not Believe it or not, we may yet. talk about it at the spoiler room. <laughs> yes, everybody's had their own trip. Everyone's freaking out, and then from there, it's chaos. They get lost. It turns out Alpha Male, he he doesn't really have a. He, I think he they lost their map, or he wasn't consulting the map. It's very much like backcountry, where it's like he's pretended he knows where they're going, and really he has no idea. Well, no, they, even in the astray. like when they're in that cabin, he's like. We've got a compass. We've got a map. We have provisions. We'll oh, be fine. The compass stops working as soon as they get into the woods. That was something I remember. He oh, looked I didn't at it. Remember he was like, seeing it go. Uh, and then he cookie. like was like, uh, and he just threw it in his pocket and was like, "All right, well, hmm. we're fucked." And then he pretends he knows the way the entire time from there on out. And gradually, tensions start to escalate. They did bring it out again. The, he the, really? like, which way's southwest? And he goes that ridge over there and points off to the side. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was just looking at it consulting it and putting it back in his pocket i don't know but i don't know there's definitely a scene where he like like shakes it and he's like eh, okay fuck it yeah i don't know <laughs> well guys this is about the part where i rapidly started losing interest in oh yeah me too um i was with it for the beginning i thought that when they spend the night in the house all that stuff was very tense very spooky creepy visuals they see you get the sense that they're being stalked again similar to backcountry with 
by a cult of some sort. You're like, uh oh, there's people out here who hang deer from trees and they're oh, up to and no good. When they, when they walk out of the cabin, there are symbols carved on all of the trees surrounding right. that cabin. Which it's, they did see the symbols before they went in the cabin, but I think on one tree, and then they come out and it's like the yeah. entire everything in front of it. Yeah. So people have been here. You get the sense that, you know, it's like kind of a Blair Witch sort of thing. It's all very spooky. I'm into that. And then it kind of just becomes a bunch of guys walking in the woods and, you know, getting bickering, fucked up. And arguing. And arguing. I don't know. I lost interest pretty damn quick. And the characters aren't really developed from there on out. It's like, yeah, we we get it. Our, like, our protagonist is still wrapped with guilt about their allowing their friend to die. And, you know, we're, as an audience, supposed to kind of be half on his side because we don't know what we would have done in that situation. I was I, on his side. I mean, first of all, I thought it was so unrealistic yeah. for the other friends to be so pissed off at him yeah to, to to even hint at any sort of blame for that seems completely out of out of control like who would, the fuck knows what you would do in that i would situation. blast you in the face if you blamed me for somebody getting killed by somebody else i mean right. they, I, we would not yeah. have gone on that trip together well they, they he does punch him in the face yes he does <laughs> i was kind of hoping that the i was kind of hoping that they would hint that he had some other like fundamental fatal flaw and that like like being witness to his friend dying and not stepping in was like the final straw for everybody but that's not like the, the case it was like they lost no, like, no it was it's just like he guy. fucked up once and, and really? they just won't let it and go and he didn't even fuck up that sh- i mean he, he didn't even fuck up you're right a yeah. stressful situation i mean well you guys are blowing this out of proportion one friend says that he walked out and didn't have blood on him it's not like the whole group is like oh yeah luke's an asshole there's one there's one scene where um at uh, one point I Don think, uh, confronts him uh, i think he brings it up. He says, "Well, I, I already said that. I said it once. I'll say it again. I don't blame you for it at all. But the fact that he even brings that up, yeah, I thought it's kind of thing. implicit that he he's at least thought about it there's, and how that went down. There's three people on the trip other than him. One of them overtly calls him out on it. But then before that, he's talking to the alpha male guy, and the alpha male guy is like, "Hey, don't worry about what everyone else thinks. You know, what whatever you had to do yeah, is fine. Yeah. But then even the alpha male later on is like." I don't know, man. Maybe you fucked up. Maybe you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a scene where he's kind of like, I don't know. I, I have yeah. no clue. Like, I can't figure. This I wasn't out. there. I don't know. It's, but, it's your business. But that's his like driving trauma. But I don't. I can't really tell you anything about that character other than how he relates to that specific experience. And that's yeah, why I was bothered anything. by the repeated motif of the convenience store thing. Like, yeah, it looks cool, but it's just reminding us that that's the only thing we know about this guy. Yeah. over and over and over. But did again. you want to know anything else about any of them? If they're making Which is kind of a bummer to begin guys. with, but I I would I would like to see yes because I was hoping that something about them and their relationships with each other would tie into the greater horror that they encounter later in the film, and it turns out that doesn't really happen. Those two things never really. Well, I don't mean it necessarily in the context of the movie, but in the concept context of those characters, would you have wanted to know any of them? No, absolutely no. not. They are not people I'd want to spend any amount of time with. No, for sure. So I think they gave us just enough about <laughs> yeah okay about maybe Luke. right yeah they saved me some time and effort for sure no yeah but that scene is treated as so pivotal but we never really know what it means 
I guess. Yeah. I mean, we know what it means. It's I mean, a source Patrick, of guilt. But what does it, what all, does it mean? all mean? Maybe <laughs> yeah. there's some. Maybe there's a cultural difference that we're missing in the gang of friends at the bar that we don't have here or something. But well, I, I mean, think that's pretty universal. Yeah, that's what, kind of what I thought too. But you like, I don't. I've get seen the worlds vibe end, that, and that moved me more than this movie did. <laughs> but nobody likes each other. It yeah. seems like it's just. I don't know. It's bizarre. It is bizarre, and it's like they seem like they don't like each other. Even from the beginning of the movie, but then, like, when they go on the trip, it's like, is it because there's this, like, weird rift because their friend died and they're still uncomfortable broaching the subject? I get the sense that, like, they're just too old to be hanging around each other. Was the dead friend the glue that was keeping them all together? Oh, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? These are all good questions. I wish the movie had answered. It would have been great. It certainly had time to answer these questions, but it's just showing us a bunch of guys kind of traipsing through the woods and spooky shit happens. Well, and the other thing is the cabin bit becomes sort of repetitive. They keep going to cabins, and then they go to sleep, and some weird shit happens. Yeah, they go to sleep somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Well, to be fair, they saw the next cabin, and they definitely did not go monkey with that cabin. Yeah. Well, I love the yeah, way that cabin true. is shot, too. I was I, While Patrick and I were watching it, my second time through, I was like, somehow just the way it's framed in, like, the colors and everything, like, it, the cabin feels like a character that's, like, alive. Yeah. Where the camera's, like, slowly zooming in. And it's like, you don't want to fuck with that. And they don't. I don't I even want to. I don't want to necessarily compare it directly to Evil Dead 2, that mm-hmm. cabin that you see. But it had that similar that. feel. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe a just a, a, a hair less dark or nefarious looking than <laughs> than the cabin from uh, Evil Dead 2 but yeah it was definitely a spooky dooky place when you're talking about how they framed it with the zooms it, well when you're talking about how they framed it I noticed there were zooms yes, involved very slow to very slow zooms yeah. which you don't see zooms a lot in movies these no. days it's kind of lost you know no, people stopped using zooms sometime in the 80s I, I mean I'm a huge Altman fan so I love the zoom yeah. like a good zoom is yeah. well it gets me off frankly <laughs> <laughs> That's a little more information than we needed. And, uh, no, no, how, many, how many, how many, how many zoom. zooms were there in this movie, guys? <laughs> you can watch it a third time and find out. Man, what is Zoombies going to do for you? Oh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Thankfully, it, it, it just did so much for me, just you saying that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I really don't know. What, uh, how would you describe what happens to like what kind of movie is this it's i would say it's very much in the uh the british like folk horror tradition i mean I, yeah okay am i allowed to say ben wheeling the podcast yeah, anymore? no yeah no <laughs> because listen because we saw kill list this kind of did remind me of kill list didn't it i mean i i don't know which is more problematic honestly but it definitely feels like that kind of movie where it's like wait it's you like, mean that you and chris saw kill list or that we saw or, this movie. Or that it reminded him of Kill List. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, it, it's very much like taking, like, I think the like, w- what is now, like, coined as, like, British folk horror is, like, taking sort of real-world kitchen sink drama, usually involving, like, crumbling relationships or, like, friendships on the rocks, and then mixing it in with kind of, like, a occult elements. Yeah. Um, and treating it in a naturalistic way. And that's very much what this movie does. Uh, I... I, I I don't know. I don't so have anything to is say. Is Blair Witch that. a British folk? Well, it's not movie? British, but I, <laughs> outside of that, it's, it sounds like it's fo- outside of not folk, being British. It kind of follows the, I, the the theme. I think so. And isn't this very similar to Blair Witch? Like yeah, without the shaky like cam, it, right? You know, without and, the, yeah. I mean, it's more direct footage. in how people die than Blair Witch was. Because yeah. after that, like the first night, we have one of the guys is just gone. 
and they don't know where he is, but they all That's have right. nightmares again. And as they're walking through, they see him just splayed up on a tree. The same as the deer that they encountered yeah. earlier. Just his guts and gore are blooping out of him. And that's kind blooping of out. most blooping. of the movie like is them walking through the forest and then something happens and one of them gets snatched. Lord of the Ritual. And I don't know. I just I, I've seen this movie compared to The Descent. I can I, I can see I it. can kind of see it. You kind of have these people who are just kind of going on in the wilderness and shit. Set. I don't know. This movie need more spelunking. I think <laughs> that, that's his problem. I'm glad you brought well, it up. Unfortunately, he had a bad knee. He wasn't going to be doing any spelunking. So, <laughs> but there's just so much. Like, so we just watched Backcountry last time, and this movie, it's. It does so much more than Backcountry, but doesn't accomplish as much for me. Like, Backcountry, I thought the horror of the situation was very palpable and realistic. And here I'm just watching people, and then, like, oh, a tent just fucking flew into the trees. Like, I don't give a... F- like, why? It was it's loud, but that's all it is. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a jump scare, and then it's a poorly paced set of tension and break the tension. It, it just didn't do a lot it was a lot of walking and then people yelling at each other and then their tension building moments of their well was always at night when they were going to bed and then they dealt with it it just it it was generic and plotting i guess is a better way to describe it yeah i don't know maybe if they had the middle section is the worst part for me yeah, I did. I wasn't not a fan of the ending either, but I feel like maybe they could have saved it. Like the beginning and the ending were interesting. Maybe they would have worked together with something else in between. It felt like two separate ideas that were kind of grafted together very lazily. Like I, I don't think there was any cohesion. And yeah, in the middle, it definitely suffers for that. We just get a lot of kind of bitching and slogging through the woods. And then things get really interesting after that. I mean, then like the real horror starts to kind of take shape, and I don't even know how to how, how to deal with that outside the spoiler room. I, I, we're gonna have to go to the spoiler room pretty soon. Um, I will say there is some really creepy shit. So again, our listener Carrie said it's creepy. There is some really interesting creepy stuff. There's some spooky visuals there's some stuff i haven't seen before there's some stuff i really like there's some stuff that got under my skin but the bulk of the movie wasn't that it felt like they were trying to follow the formula for making the second act twice as long as the first and third acts and they were just trying to get it done on paper the way it is in a textbook and it, it didn't it didn't fit it didn't play if this had been a short oh man it would have been great yeah absolutely and you could have cut it short and left it up to the viewer more. I mean, they, let's just re-edit it and put it, submit it to Netflix. See if they'll buy it from us. Well, maybe we should just <laughs> review it because that's we're basically been doing that already. That's true. Uh, yeah, who who wants to go first? Chris should go first because he always goes last. Ooh, Ooh. Chris, would you break it, or cue it, or screw it? I would screw it. Sorry, Carrie. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, there were a few scenes I liked. I was with it for a little bit, but you know, I'm I'm kind of going off of Steve's new Steve's philosophy, which he explained a few episodes ago, where it's like, would I recommend this movie to myself if I didn't know anything about it? Fuck no. Like Backcountry for having for we, I may be biased because I watched it so close to Backcountry, 
and backcountry, I just thought succeeded a lot better at what it was trying to do. I will say this movie, I think, was trying to do more thematically. There was some stuff I didn't quite grasp. There were some good parts, but uh, I don't know. I just thought the most of it was a slog. So fucking screw it. Patrick, <laughs> would you cue it, view it, or screw it? I would say cue it. There, there was a lot I liked about it. Some really um, memorable visuals. I thought the the characters were thinly written, but I liked the interplay between them. They felt to me like a natural group of friends, and there were definitely some some really creepy, unsettling moments in it. I kind of disagree with the idea of recommending it to myself because when I'm thinking about view it, cute or screw it, I'm thinking about generally the like person I'm imagining recommending it to as someone who's more open-minded than me or any of us <laughs> yeah. i feel like most people who, are, who listen to this have less discerning taste than we do and are probably less well, if you're listening you to this hear show, that carrie and are probably less assholes than we are <laughs> yeah carrie you're you're definitely less of an asshole than i am at the very least so yeah i'd say cue it well maybe something we should know is that this movie has gotten some acclaim yeah. Like, I was looking it up on Twitter. A lot of people have seen this movie. A lot of people have loved this movie. It has like a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes yeah, or something. Your mileage may vary. I remember uh, hearing something positive about this on NPR, if I'm thinking clearly. So, it's been it's been receiving a lot of praise from a lot of places. Well, mm. Greg, would you view it, cue it, or screw it? Uh, so, I know I'm not allowed to do the it depends thing, so I'm going to go with a strong cue it. That uh, is a it depends thing. Right. But it, what, what does I'm that saying, mean? I'm saying if you were going to just fast forward through some of the walking, it would be a view it. Like if you could <laughs> lop out some of the guys talking angrily at each other, it would absolutely be a view it. But as the movie stands on its on its own, it's it's a cue it. Even the, even the guys talking to each other didn't bother me. I mean, I like the drama between them. I just didn't like the stuff where it's like... There was just too much of they're it. They're sleeping, it, it, and then the tents are flying around, and there's weird shit, and we're flashing But back if to that the... were closer together to the first thing, like the, the they stay in the cabin, there's less walking in the woods, and then they go back to sleep, and they would at least tie together better and the you know the weird stuff happening in the dreams would be fine again so, i'd be all right so with you're that. saying use your fast forward button make it a short yourself yeah, yeah. <laughs> cut it from an hour and a half to like 45 minutes and it's a view it oh i would agree steven i'm being very forgiving this month i'm gonna give it a cue it wow uh, i think uh i've seen it twice i didn't enjoy i enjoyed different parts of it each time i don't think it's a it's not a great movie. I think it has a couple of things about it that we can't discuss until after we uh, go down to the spoiler room, but I think are things that we don't necessarily see in horror movies, especially low-budget horror movies lately. It reminded me a little bit of a dark song and how far it committed to the premise and into delivering the goods. I think if this was a, if this had been released on VHS in the 80s, it would be a cult classic now. A movie that I would have loved as a teenager and then grown out of eventually. Because there's not a lot thematically or character-wise to really hold on to and analyze here. It's kind of a it, it, it's a one-trick pony. And I, I think it's a movie that once you've seen it there's, n- there's definitely no reason to go back. There's nothing. You're not going to find any uh, any nuggets or treasure under the rocks when you pull them over. Like it's just uh, there really is no strong single character in this movie that that no. makes me like think that is my protagonist. That is the guy that I'm rooting for right now. You don't. That's oh. a really good point. You don't root for anybody. Really I can think movie. of one, but I think we're going to wait to discuss him in the spoiler room. <laughs> the trees. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we already right. discussed that one. Well, hey, what, one last thing. It's, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but before we go to the spoiler room, I will say, I think we would all agree, there's some good creature design. Yeah. Yeah, like, I was going to mention that before. I mean, when you guys were talking about sort of the, the foreboding nature, I mean, more than anything, you see like this elephant-like creature being suggested following them, but you never quite see what it is. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was just a dude in like a robe with weird yeah. antlers on. Yeah. So I never... But it's so big. It's like, It moves the trees. It like shakes the yeah, ground I as just, it moves. I never, I never really put, uh, put that together. Mm. It just felt like it may have been somebody hiding and chasing. Mm-hmm. The we, second time through, I was amazed at like how apparent, knowing what it looks like at the end, I was amazed at like how clearly you can see it throughout the film. But, mm. but yeah, first time going in, how would you know? Yeah, so definitely some creative stuff going on in this movie. Some high marks in some categories. But we're going to spoil everything in a minute, so go watch it if you want. Otherwise, stick around. We'll be back after the break. We'll tell you everything that happens. Stick around if you want. Welcome back to Every Horror Movie on Netflix. We're back in the spoiler room about to spoil everything about the ritual. It is much colder in the spoiler room this week than it was last week. Yeah. Yeah, Greg, you were supposed to build us a furnace in the past two weeks. And what's up? Uh, That's my fault. I twisted my (laughs) knee and I couldn't walk. (laughs) So rough. So the essential reveal of this movie is that our heroes are being chased stalked what have you hunted by a large creature which apparently is some sort of nordic god it's loki's Loki's little baby yeah i don't remember him in the marvel cinematic universe yeah i I don't think loki banged any mooses in the marvel cinematic universe but that's i feel like what happened yeah i would love to see this thing in the marvel cinematic universe oh my god dude me too I want Surtur to fight it. Thor 4. <laughs> I want Korg to fight it. But basically, it's just galloping through the woods, fucking up everybody, and then our heroes finally make it to, like, a commune where there's a bunch of old-ass, like... You can call them hippies. Decrepit hippies, Nordic hippies, chilling in these fucking log cabins, torturing people and sacrificing them to the fucking moose god. Well, that's yeah, the ritual. yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it, it like we learn all this information fairly quickly so as the film quickly. goes on, and I was kind of baffled, puzzled, as Patrick might say, because it didn't or baffled, really... as you might say. I would say baffled. You'd say puzzled. Yeah. All right, we have our own catchwords. Catch I'm phrases. confused. Well, I have <laughs> two things to say about that. Greg. Um, yeah, we learn this very quickly, and like it, it quickly becomes like a, a wicker man sort of scenario, and it doesn't really tie into. And I'm talking about the the superior Nicolas Cage remake, not that shitty original <laughs> Christopher Lee. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's it. I was just like, I couldn't believe that that's where this movie wound up. I know it's called the Ritual. We see these occult symbols or whatever. Suddenly, we just kind of get a monster movie for 20 minutes. Doesn't tie in thematically to anything that's happened so far. Would you even call it a monster movie? Yeah, I would. I just did. <laughs> we need to describe it, this monster, though. It, it doesn't... I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. 
monster movie. That Fine. seems to be the Fair focus. Enough. It was like, they, like came up with this, they came up with this great creature that Patrick will describe because he died. <laughs> uh, or if you're comfortable doing that because you delighted yeah. in seeing it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that seems to be the focus of the movie. They came up with this great, like, maquette of this monster and they're like, oh, we can do the CGI. We can make it look pretty good for like 10 minutes. It's all you get. Look great. Until that last shot. Yeah. Oh, oof, my gosh. Oof. That lighting was so far off. Really? Yeah. yeah the contrast was I know terrible. It was weird. Yeah, I don't even weird. know what you're talking about. I thought it looked great, especially for a Netflix movie, especially for the kind uh, of when they were It, it looked so good everywhere except when it was standing at the edge of the woods. It's waiting. like in like half morning light, half like there's still like flames burning in the forest. It just looked weird. It, it, it looked was like really kind of some bad. bad. That's, like that last shot of it was the worst. Well, Patrick, describe this fucking monster. Oh, I mean, it's a fucking twelve foot tall, emaciated moose with giant vertebrae sticking out of its back, and its head is basically a Jawa. It looks like a Jawa from Star Wars with the glowing eyes, and then there are two basically human arms emitting from where its face should be so it stomps around like a huge moose and when it's about to fuck you up it gets its weird little glowy eyed jaw face up in your face and grabs you with its human arms caresses your face with its yeah. dead hands mm, which is fucking like bizarre the, like the, the jaw face is like it's like it like where the adam's apple would be on the creature, right. kind of, because it's got this big antlery head that is shaped like the effigy that it, we see earlier it, it, in the movie. Uh, yeah, the, so the above the head it actually looks like a human torso. Yeah, that's with what I was going to say. Arms. It looked like it looked like uh, moose, but instead of a head, it was like an upside down person with its head on backwards. Yeah, and, yeah. and then where you, where you would see the person's cock and balls, you see a face. <laughs> You see a Jawa face. That's why I said upside down person, but okay. <laughs> and right above where its actual cock and balls are, there's another set of arms that you see only briefly. They don't oh, really yeah. come into play. They like come out of the hips. Great imagination. Amazing what the fuck creature. does it have to do with the rest of the movie? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't know. I don't know. It's they, fucking Loki's child. Loki's child. Okay, so they end up in a house. The two survivors, one of them is our guy who saw the convenience store murder. They're taken captive by this cult, I guess. And our hero has the fucking five dart marks in his chest Mm -hmm. from where the beast touched him. And the other guy doesn't. So they're like, all right, well, this other guy we're going to torture... For no apparent reason, they torture him. They were preparing well, they were him sacrifice for the him. sacrifice. What the fuck? And did because they do? he's got the marks on him, yeah, he's been like he's been like chosen by Loki's bastard cousin to be one of his disciples. Yeah, he's okay. given a moment where, as Gregory pointed out, that I did not. I I was kind of confused. Like the monster sort of does this weird like like um yoga it pose rears thing. up on its hind it legs up. and i thought it was like bow like that was its way of like bowing to the human but no he's he's like worship me basically and the guy refuses to and runs out of the woods. yeah because it's been established that everybody kneels before this creature and i think yeah. the creature is like kneel before me i think that's the idea and he isn't having any of it no no yeah he gets instead the thing just stomps down on its face and shoves him back in the dirt and forces him to kneel I mean, I love this creature. I think it looks fucking sweet. There's an amazing shot of it in front of this cabin as it's burning. But as Steven and I were talking about this, like, as soon as it starts running around, especially through the liquor store in the middle of the woods, it looks, it's just weird when it starts running around and you can see it clearly. That's probably why they made it disappear so much. Yeah, behind the liquor they just store couldn't figure shelves. Out how yeah. to like yeah. make him look decent, so he'd charge, and then it would just disappear. Yeah. And, he, and uh, Luke would be like, 
eh, looking around everywhere yeah. for it, and you just That's hear it behind him and stuff. <laughs> but I just have such a hard time taking any of this seriously, especially because the cult members are fucking caricatures. Like, they don't look like real people. They look like, oh, let's try to make a They're creepy like looking person. Yeah, they right. found the weirdest looking people I they could it. and then put oh, weird makeup them. on them. I thought that, like, so she said that if you bow to this thing, would they like a Jutun or something like that? Is Jotun. what she called Jutun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that means, but it's probably weird Loki baby. It's so it's actually says, Norse mythology because it's used in the Thor movies as well, and it's adopted from actual Norse okay. mythology. I forget what I it mean. Means. I assumed it was. Yeah. I just uh, I don't know much. I think that's I like is this it. movie part of the MCU? Is what I want to know. No, but okay. Loki's bastard child is, has been. It's an extended post credit scene. Maybe it's part of the not the MCU, but, but the, the Netflix, Netflix Marvel yeah. universe. Mm. Uh oh! So we'll Could see be. that thing on Could Daredevil. Be. Yeah, it'll be on yeah. Jessica Jones. Oh, that'd be sweet. Hiring Jessica Jones to, to find Luke. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Luke's last name is Cage. Oh, there we go. <laughs> So, what was I? Oh, yeah, the, the blonde lady. So, there's this blonde lady captor. She's the one that's, you know, she goes in to feed um, Luke and explains that if you if you kneel to it, if you bow to it, you will live forever and you won't feel pain. But yeah, it's looking a, yeah. at them, it looked like they felt nothing but pain. <laughs> so, it's no way to live. And that's basically what like our it. hero says yeah, yeah. to his credit. But I don't know. He says he'll never kneel. I don't know. So he is, he escapes from his fucking shackles. He goes, explores the compound. I did like some of that. He finds their sort of like commissary where they have all the shit they've presumably stolen from people over the centuries. And, you know, they got some old rifles and some blankets and stuff. He goes up, he finds this weird-ass, like, church of desiccated corpses that somehow yeah, what was that all talking about? and screaming right. and shit. And I at, love that. And that at was this fun. moment, he's, like, sneaking around and all of a sudden decides to start torching these corpses that scream as they burn. They seem like they're just, like, desiccated corpses, yeah. but yeah, when but they he do burns st- them, they well, start even screaming. even before that, they start, like, making noise and opening their mouths. Yeah. I like that. This, that it's like, great. dude, if you're sneaking around, get out of the room where things are making noise One more thing about sneaking, actually, in this, because every time they've been trying to sneak around, I threw air quotes up there because it drove me nuts. They had the flashlight on, he's running around with a torch. <laughs> Look, just because you're being quiet doesn't mean you're sneaking. You gotta put that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, he burns this house down. He burns the place down. <laughs> All these he poor dead off people. The god. Oh, he that god was. He pissed. almost is about to fucking escape in the clear while the god beast is distracted. But then he's like, you know what? I got one more shot in my rifle. Why don't I take a fucking pot shot at God himself? What it a did, great idea! It didn't work very well for him. What happens when you he shoot? should have been American? It would have made more sense oh, if he yeah. was American. <laughs> I mean, if you shoot a bear, fucking it's just going to get more pissed off. Apparently, you shoot a god. Guess what? Same thing happens. It just gets more pissed mm-hmm. off. It chases him. Charges I'm him. surprised the god is not immune to bullets. Yeah. I, mean, I was I was kind of shocked that it actually had an effect on it. I thought maybe it'd be like startled by the sound. Yeah, I feel like gods are, are different in other mythos than god that we see in the Bible. Like, it seems like there's an awful lot of people hurting gods in the various other cultures that just doesn't happen in, in the Christian Bible. 
So maybe that's yeah, no something one, we just don't have that same connection with. Yeah, there's no story about anybody like cutting out the the eyes of the Christian God or right. something like that. Nobody's nobody's even stood I mean, up. they fucking crucified him. He was, no, but like God <laughs> the Father, not the yeah, Son, I God mean, the Father. It's the same thing. And, no, it's not. <laughs> well, you, you talk to Catholics, I think. Yeah, is, what are but, you talking about? <laughs> But I mean, that was that was Jesus's sacrifice to become God, right? And to, uh, listen, to, this isn't a the, yeah, this yeah, isn't a theological podcast. This isn't every theology on Netflix, right? <laughs> not, it's not yet. It will be if we have a couple more beers. <laughs> that would be an interesting. Every Christian movie on Netflix. Oh, every every movie on Pureflix. Oh, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Is that a real app? Pureflix yeah. is the Christian Netflix. How much do they oh, charge? Right. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I wish I had a witty answer, but I don't know. So yeah, um, our hero basically. I just, was trying to think, what did Judas get paid? Oh, what did he get paid? Like two coins? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. much. Silver shekels. Or yeah. Something like that. Yep. Anyway, so our hero just escapes the compound with the beast chasing them, and then they have a moment. It's tinged with eroticism. What happens? Stands up, shows him his erection, mm-hmm. and then guy refuses. Luke refuses to kneel to to Loki's Loki's kid. But did Loki's, you find that? Did you actually find that tinge with eroticism? Or are you joking? I, I was. Being I don't sarcastic. know what was going on between them, but yeah, the, the, there is like a mutual respect between them mm. for a minute, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so this is where I'm starting to think that the whole thing is just trying to achieve something thematically that I couldn't quite grasp. It, the problem is it's not you. you. <laughs> yeah, it's not you. <laughs> but, like, so there's something there about how this beast gets off on people's pain and anger and stuff. And there's this guy here who's been repressed by his pain and anger. And then towards the end of the movie, he's like, here I am. He's screaming at the beast. He's trying to see the beast as an equal and the beast kind of sees him as an equal i think because of what he's been carrying around from the convenience store thing i mean the final s- stroke of this battle is uh right after this weird thing where the beast pushes him down he sees again the murder of his friend in the convenience store getting slashed in the face with like a machete or, i think he just hits yeah. him in the face with a club and it splits his cheek oh, I, I, thought, it, I, thought I thought it was, it was a blade, blade of too. some sort I thought it was but a blade too, but later on it looked like it was just a club anyways i mean he sees that again and is inspired to pick up this hatchet and slice the the beast's face in basically the same way that his friend was killed which kind of undermines the mutual respect thing that they yeah which, well that thing also shoved his face back in the dirt to say kneel to me basically so i i'm frustrated because i can tell that they're going for something something intelligent but i can't receive it and i feel like it's a problem with me it's not it's I don't not think it's it a is. presentation issue 100 percent, it's a presentation issue yeah. none of us even have any clue what the theme of this might be so, so my bizarre ass fan theory is just that the whole fucking series of events was in his head, and it's a metaphor. Oh, it's for Jacob's his, ladder scenario. It's a metaphor for his trauma over the convenience store thing, and like it's just. But the, then why does it? Then how does the occult come into play in that fantasy? I, That's why I'm like these two yeah. things do not equate. You're right. I don't know. It's a mess. It's the, based the, on a the book. Cult which is, is the pressure from his friends visualized. 
that it's his fault. Just stop and it he right just now. needs to kneel to that and accept that it's his <laughs> fault. And then the beast comes and says, It's your fault and stomps him down and he says, No, this is not my fault. Chops it in the face and's like, I fucking won. It wasn't my fault. I'm out. I don't know. And then Dude. he gets out of the woods of this this no, that movie was a fucking mess. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's a mess. It's a mess nice and it's try. terrible. <laughs> and the end is stupid. I just I'm frustrated because I can tell that they're going for something better and I I don't want to be like, oh, this is all just stupid bullshit. I laughed the whole time, even though I did. <laughs> Because they're going for something. They're going for something smart. They didn't land it. I don't know what they were going for. I wish I did. They're going to tweet and say that I was right with my made-up <laughs> theory that I was creating as I went. So, I mean, wait. It is clear to me that there was some truth in what you said. That like the final moment of catharsis is him finally accepting, it's not my fault. You know, like in like all my other three friends yeah, died. It only cost but, him all of his friends. Yeah, so. I know my other three friends died, but I tried to save each and every one of them. I tried to do the right thing, but that doesn't mean that I'm that one is necessarily successful when they have the best of intentions. Well, there like, we go. We figured it out. It, all we had to do was talk about it. So there's something there. That's what they're trying to do, but it doesn't come across well. And it's no. laughable. I laughed so hard the first time I saw this movie and saw him screaming back at the monster. They're having this call and response, and I was like, "Really? Uh, this is our." final cathartic moment of of growth for the protagonist i thought that was great i loved it yeah Uh, there it is you guys are wrong Uh, (laughs) i mean uh, so i've been making comparisons to backcountry because they both involve the woods (laughs) that's basically it but and bad days but like backcountry is a movie that makes no attempts (laughs) yeah bad days backcountry is a is a movie that makes no attempts to achieve anything thematically really and this movie achieve, attempts to achieve the world thematically and fucks it up and leaves me confused and frustrated. Which is better? I don't know. I was confused at Backcountry. Like, why did they? Why did they feel that that was a story that needed to be told? That was that was my main confusion there. Yeah. Well, at least point. with this one, I I could appreciate what they were going for in making this weird ass story. You felt like this was important to somebody, right? Even right. though it doesn't I, exactly. But I don't feel like the the filmmakers in Backcountry had anything personal tied to this, their right. movie. Yeah. At least this one felt like they were trying to get a message out in some way. They just didn't do a terrific job of it. And hopefully, there's people out there who can receive this on the same frequency and appreciate it for what was attempted but that's not me it doesn't not me sound either. like it's any of you it ain't me babe all right so what are we watching next time chris yeah what are you guys gonna do without me next time well we're gonna spin the wheel of death to find out that's what we do every few episodes we spin the wheel and then one of us lucky sons of bitches gets to pick the next episode so we're gonna bring out the wheel and we're gonna see here we go. I'll give Steve the honor of spinning. What do I just... Just just spin it. Now, Greg isn't on the wheel because he's only the special guest, so you're not going to win this time, Greg. Are you sure? If you if you come back more often, maybe we'll... I'm going to hack your wheel. wheel. All right, hack my wheel. <laughs> um, but now that Steve's, Steve's like going to spin. We're spinning. Oh, God. Oh. Oh. Oh, oh Steven. Steven. Close. 
Oh, it was almost Patrick. It was like wanting so bad to be Patrick, it but was then the wheel was like, fuck Patrick. So close. It's just a Steven. tick away. I'm so glad. Steven, you've been waiting for this moment all your life. <laughs> What's the pick? Uh, I'm just going to pick something at random out of uh, out of my brain. I've got a few I've been thinking of watching for a while. I think we're going to go with Before I Wake. Uh, I think Chris looks very excited right now. Mike Flanagan movie that was made a couple years ago that kind of got buried. That is now being branded as a quote-unquote Netflix original. I'm super excited. My only concern is we were like three episodes away from watching that in alphabetical order. <laughs> I was going to say, we're in the Bs. Too fucking bad. All right, well, do you want to watch Zoom Bs? No. Yes. No, that's our. That's the finish line. We're not taking yes. any shortcuts to the finish How about Zoom 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 gone before you get to Zoom Before I Wake is a fine selection. All right. I can't wait. We're going to do Before I Wake by our friend Mike Flanagan next week. I hope you all join us, except for Gregory. He's probably not coming. And <laughs> hey, until then, follow us on the Facebook, follow us on the Twitter, follow us on all the social medias. Send us a note, send us a troll. Maybe we'll troll you back. <laughs> <laughs> How do you quantify a troll? Like, you mean like the little like dolls a troll with the hair? Doll. Yeah, I, with the I, little jewels. I know in the belly when button. I see it. All right, listen. <laughs> Two weeks from now, we'll see you again. We're doing Before I Wake. Until then, for every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Gregory. I'm Steven. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.